it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. We're here for the Belgian Grand Prix, a race that was slightly disappointing, but we are going to just keep it positive, keep it rolling. My name's Matt, of course, and joining me once again is the WTF1 founder and quite possibly the next Nivier Skin ambassador, Tom Bellingham, 47 years old. How are you, Tom? I'm all right. People genuinely thought I was 45 years old in that other podcast where we joked that I was 45 years old and they're like, wait, what? Uh, and also we're not sponsored by Nivea, just hashtag not, not an ad. Other, other skin products <laughs> are available. Uh, but t- Tom, how old are you? Just, just 31. Everybody. 31 years old and you don't look a day over fetus. Let's talk about the Belgian Grand Prix anyway. Some three word race reviews. Rune underscore M underscore. That was boring. Felix dot girding. Ferrari is slow. M underscore de fluente. We needed rain. And Dazza Bozza 21. Close to tattoo. Yeah. For, for Spa, Tommy, that was that was boring. Rune M is right. It was. It's not. Um, we had some great midfield battles unfortunately we sound like a bit of a broken record where people uh, are quick to jump on people complaining about Mercedes and obviously we applaud them for how brilliant they are and how well Verstappen's driving as well to be in that mix but I don't I don't think it's wrong to complain that you essentially like we're having the same podium every single weekend and the midfield battle like in other sports you don't go oh well it was rubbish but did you see this happening somewhere completely different so we, we want to see racing at the front the midfield is always amazing and we say it all the time like there's the jokes of the formula 1.5 and stuff isn't there uh, which is always super close but yeah just disappointing about the uh the front because thought we might at least get a race but no I think it's accentuated at the moment with Bottas just not particularly performing, uh, just not seeming to turn up at all now. At the start of the season, we hoped that maybe he'd be able to take it to, to, to Hamilton, and he did, obviously leading the championship right at the start. But after that, he's tailed off again. And it's, it's just disappointing to see that whenever we see Hamilton on pole, leading lap one, I'd love to know the statistics of how many times he has lost a race to Bottas after leading after lap one, because I, I bet the percentage is very, very low indeed. Uh, and, you know, that we'll get onto your three-word race review, Tommy, which uh, talks a little bit deeper into that. But um, my three-word race review is uh, Ricardo Another Level, uh, talking about Danny Rick, of course, in that Renault. Renault just turning up absolutely quick as anything around Spa. Their power unit just seemingly one of the best on the grid if not the best or how the Mercedes obviously had a bit more downforce uh, but either way Renault looking extremely quick at the end Ricardo snatching fastest lap and just really looking to to next weekend as well just a little bit and and Monza Renault are looking unbelievably strong they are yeah I, I mean at the end of the day it's track dependent Renault still aren't really where they need to be 
um like we're saying for whatever reason they just seem to be really good at this sort of like skinny wing setup but yeah daniel ricardo what a performance one of the best of the year i must say and let's be honest that car he has not been able to show his true talent in and he gets one race this year at spa where the the car is extremely well suited and he delivers and what a performance i i genuinely can't think of anything more he could have done that weekend nailed it in qualifying put in um the fastest lap of the race almost got uh verstappen if maybe there'd been three or four more laps although i guess they were managing the gap with their tires anyway but interestingly something i read today is they actually did fastest lap of the race without uh cyril abitbull's permission oh which is a bit cheeky but um yeah apparently um there was a discussion about it whether they wanted to pit because obviously he had quite a buffer to ocon uh not i don't think a pit stop but it, there, there was talk of should we go for fastest lap and Renault decided no it's not really worth the risk when we've got this amazing p4 result and then on the penultimate lap danny rick did uh i think the first half of his lap he was 0.5 up on the best he'd ever done and they were like hang on a minute we we could actually genuinely do this so without cyril abitbull's permission him and his engineer went rogue and whacked the engine up to full and he just absolutely went ham and yeah fastest lap of the race That's so an extra point i want I wonder if there'll be uh, some sort of repercussions for that because I imagine everything has to go through Cyril. Even if they did manage to get fastest lap and whatnot, it's still undercutting the boss, isn't it? Which yeah. is uh, although he did joke about bit it. Strange. He, he 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 does know. He he joked about it and was like, "I'm glad they they went against me." But yeah, it is quite a funny story when it works. But if he'd binned it in the wall, uh, we'd be having a very different conversation, wouldn't we? Absolutely. I think yeah, Danny Rick said that he <laughs> sent it absolutely licked the stamp and sent it for around that fast uh, that that last lap sorry uh, david un, uh, sorry david florek 10 says can daniel ricardo score a podium before leaving for mclaren i think monza's definitely their best chance um when you think of the other tracks coming up i don't think there's really anything if we're looking at that skinny wing setup that suits i don't think there's a more high speed track you can really rely on than monza but bahrain uh, out <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think true. It's, that they're is very the two true, chances. Yeah. I think he's got. I think Bahrain Outer will be maybe slightly less of a chance, just purely because I think it will be a little bit more of a lottery in that midfield as to who gets to that sort of fourth, fifth position, just purely from the fact it's a really short lap and therefore qualifying will be ridiculously close oh, yeah. to any sort of error. You could you could fall down the the grid quite quite rapidly, but uh, but yeah, Bahrain Outer for sure will be a, a great chance for them, and I think Monza as well. Uh, that's going to be their best chance. If they don't get podiums there, I don't see that happening really, unless uh, we have a, a ridiculously crazy race. Me neither. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Renault still not uh, where they want to be, I guess. But for whatever reason, the low, uh, the low drag, low downforce, uh, they just love that car in that skinny wing setup. And Monza last year was exactly the same. They finished fourth and fifth. Um, which obviously they were only beaten by Charles Leclerc and two Mercedes, and this year Ferrari are nowhere. So, in theory, they should be the second best car in Monza. So this is a huge, huge, huge opportunity for Renault and uh, well, and Cyril to get that tattoo that someone mentioned earlier in the uh, through Road Race reviews. 
it's nice to hear, isn't yeah. it, that Renault could be the, the second fastest car around Monza. That's not something we've heard for a very, very long time. Uh, Winchy Tweets says, are Renault now where we thought they would be last year? But as Tommy's already mentioned, it's the, the, the interesting story around that midfield is that each team seems to have a certain track or certain sort of characteristics of a track where they're stronger. So Renault will only have these few to really take advantage of and then it will the, you know the the pendulum will shift back to the likes of McLaren and and Racing Point where you know they rely a little bit more on the the downforce side of things so I don't, Renault aren't the second fastest car throughout the season so they're probably still not particularly happy with where they are but at least they've got a certain setup of the car where they can go yeah this works yeah I don't want to be too negative on it and be like well actually they're still terrible because they're you know they deserve to be having a good a good race now and and they should absolutely be enjoying it but at the same time they're behind mclaren in the constructors championship with the same with the yeah, same engine they were at- uh, with the same engine and before this weekend they were quite a way off the battle that kind of midfield battle which is between ferrari racing point and mclaren and themselves so it really is track dependent they need to make the most of these races and like you say, they, they, they're going to be looking at a three and four. They need to get P3 and P4 because that's going to be huge for their constructors' title bid. Absolutely. Title and, bid, and, you know yeah, Let's I mean? not forget. Uh, not, not for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't think they're going to catch Mercedes, but yeah. The, uh, we never know. We never know. <laughs> every race at Monza. Um, yeah, it depends. It depends how far Renault off the pace. If they're only a few tenths off Mercedes somehow, then, you know, we could, could be in for an interesting interesting race but but yeah you know let's not forget that Renault were out of the points only a few races ago I'm pretty sure I can't remember exactly which one was it Silverstone uh I'm trying yeah to remember. Silverstone they were really woeful weren't they so yeah. yeah so that that's that comes back to the whole pendulum shifting and you know the fact that it does change a lot in that midfield um right Tommy your three-word race review mine is I miss Rosberg <laughs> well, never thought that would those three words would be uttered from your mouth yeah uh now, I wrote this on my Twitter as well. And don't get me wrong, I do not think that Nico Rosberg would have won another title. I think he's very underrated. And we did a podcast, didn't we, about underrated drivers. And we, at the time, uh, when we did it, we said Nico Rosberg. And we were like, we really didn't appreciate him enough at the time because now we're seeing what Bottas is doing against Hamilton. Um, the thing I miss about Rosberg is the fact uh this is more this is more <laughs> it's more a review about Bottas really in the fact that Hamilton does not see Bottas at all as a title contender he Bottas loves to pretend that he's in the title fight he has this plan he's Bottas 3.0 he's eating his porridge all this kind of stuff but he I I genuinely can't think of a time where he's really got under Hamilton's skin and I was thinking about this that it may sound absolutely ludicrous, but if Bottas wants to win a world title, it genuinely wouldn't have been the biggest issue if he'd sent it up to La Source and they'd crashed into each other because that would that would send a message to Hamilton of, okay, I'm genuinely serious about this. I want to win the title. I'm going to fight you. But he's never shown that. And I don't think that Hamilton sees him as a threat at all. Examples, even when Rosberg didn't didn't do it, I'm thinking Sochi when he dived up the inside and completely locked up and missed it. But 
all those things he was doing, like parking it at Monaco, not turning, not turning into the corner properly at uh, Austria, it it all got into Hamilton's head to the point where, when there was that perfect storm of him having reliabilities, he could take the title fight to Hamilton, and Bottas is not doing that at all. No, he's not, and and that's something I've I've said a, a lot throughout a lot of the podcasts is that that mental side, Bottas is very much just a, a number two driver as much as he doesn't want to admit it. And, and maybe he isn't in his own head, but he just doesn't have the race craft and the talent in order to to take it to Hamilton week in, week out. Sure, he's taken some poles, but he hasn't converted every pole into a victory. And the fact that he's behind Verstappen in the world championship when he is in a Red Bull and Bottas is in a Mercedes uh, is just... Firstly, testament, you know, I tweeted before, it's testament to Verstappen's unbelievable performance this year, but also Bottas underperforming, or at least that, not even underperforming, just the fact that that is his amount of talent. He might have a few races where the car's completely dialed in, Russia, for example, and he'll win the race. But he doesn't take it to Hamilton nearly enough uh, in order to get into his head, as you say. And like, it's just, it was such an example where Bottas didn't have the racecraft in his head to just back off Hamilton a little bit going into Eau Rouge and Radion to then take the slipstream towards the source. Instead, he's, well, I haven't seen the onboard, but instead I'm, what I'm understanding is that he, he followed too quickly, got a little bit of a swapper or a little bit out of shape over, over Radion, and then he was nowhere near. Like how he hasn't taken the lead on lap one is beyond me. And he had me. two attempts because there was a safety car. And Oh, where he was just sleeping. Yeah. He, Wasn't it? He well, absolutely slept on the safety car, didn't he? On the safety car, it seemed like. Yeah. Well, yeah. Closer. And then Verstappen got a little bit. But he didn't have the. He didn't have the setup. Well, but... but yeah, it's disappointing. But I think the next question goes on about Bottas underperforming. Anyway, it does. Ent XJ, would you say Bottas is underperforming, or is Hom- Hamilton? Hamilton <laughs> just in such a league of his own. It's unfair to compare the two drivers. I mean, obviously, we're going to compare. They're they're the teammates. You know, that's the only true comparison we can have uh, of of anyone uh, of any drivers. So, I think, yeah, going back to what I said previously, I don't think Bottas is necessarily underperforming. I just think he is at almost his peak of his talent. He, as I say, he will have a few weekends that are stellar, but I just don't think he has the minerals week in week out. All these and the adaptability at the, all of these tracks to be good at them. It's really weird. We said this on another podcast. Albon being half a second behind Verstappen puts him six or seven places behind Verstappen because of that midfield. In that race, Bottas mm. was half a second behind Hamilton in qualifying and he was second on the grid. So, very lucky. Yeah, actually, exactly. As well. So, it's very. Uh, right, here's an interesting question for you or, or and a theory. Um, the Bottas, we, we kind of laud him as the perfect number two driver, right? Uh, and Hamilton said some interesting comments after the race. I don't know if you saw them, uh, heard them about uh, Alex Albon and how Verstappen is essentially racing on his own and he doesn't have the support of his teammate being up there and that's why Red Bull aren't challenging Mercedes at all for the title and they're never going to get yeah. in the mix because they can't play any interesting strategies or anything. Now, if Daniel Ricciardo was still at Red Bull and was able to perform on Verstappen's level and beating Valtteri uh, in the in the races like Verstappen was, maybe we'd be having the conversation about Bottas like Albon, where Mercedes have to think, we're not going to win the Constructors title here if 
we're getting our second car beaten, even if Hamilton wins the driver's title, if Red Bull are finishing second and third every race and Bottas isn't performing. But instead, what's happening is their car is leaps and bounds ahead. And even when he's having a poor race, he can still finish second or third. So we call him a perfect number two driver. So it really is that (laughs) I, I find the situation quite fascinating between Albon and Bottas that they're both not really performing against really, really good teammates. And one is lauded as the perfect second driver and one is, is we're saying, needs to essentially be fired because he's not performing. And it really does show that car performance is such a huge factor in people's careers. Yeah, definitely. I, I still think Bottas, compared to Albon, is doing a much better job. Personally, I think the time delta between the two teammates, if you compare Bottas and Hamilton and then Albon and Verstappen, is a lot. Bottas is a lot closer over the over the course of this season. I know he's had you know half a second off in qualifying this time round, but usually he hasn't been that far behind, and especially in race pace. You know he stays with Hamilton to the likes of five or six seconds. Albon is forty seconds down the road, or you know twenty five. I think this time yeah. round, so. I think Albon definitely does deserve the the criticism more because he isn't performing even to the likes of Bottas at the moment. And 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 you make a good point. You know, if if the likes of Ricardo was in in Red Bull, Mercedes would probably be scratching their head, going, "Do we need to get a Verstappen or someone of that talent in with Hamilton in order to win the constructors' title?" Which would obviously make much better viewing for yeah. us. And that and that's the risks that they'd have to take. I think even having Rosberg and Hamilton together was a slight risk because they have that this history and you know as much as they were friends, they they're both they've been rivals all, all, their entire careers. Yeah. And so, they had the contact in a few races, whereas we've never. Uh, I mean, a point you mentioned at the very start of this podcast was when has Bottas not been leading into turn one and beaten Hamilton in a race? I genuinely can't think of one off the top of my head, and I'm sure people are writing in the comments that there is one, but. It's certainly not enough for me to remember one. I cannot think, even ever, where Bottas has had better pace than Hamilton and overtaken him on the track. Yeah. I can't think. I I I think he's got been races where he's obviously beaten Hamilton in qualifying. Russia is a good example where he's just quicker around that track. But in terms of Bottas chasing Hamilton and really pushing him to try and get that win... Can't see it. But then, interestingly, interestingly enough, during that race, um, Bottas, I think, asked, did he ask for more power? And they said no, not not he did, not yeah. against the one, the one push yeah, or something. That not not, not to be when used we're one two. So I mean, if that doesn't <laughs> if that doesn't get in his head that he's a number two driver, then nothing will, I guess. Interesting. Right, let's move on from uh, the Mercedes duo and let's go to the Giovinazzi and George Russell crash. Uh, Quite a scary one, mm. um, especially when we saw the aftermath of it. We didn't even see the lead up to it. Uh, and it turns out the Giovinazzi uh, just just lost the car, crashed into the wall, came back across the track. Tyre hits Russell, which could have easily been a much scarier impact. But, you know, thanks to the halo and things like that and the safety features of the Formula One car, it, it didn't turn out to be uh, at all bad, which which was brilliant to see. Um, B37K says, why was the session not red flagged after the crash today? It was rather dangerous and could have resulted in serious car damage. I thought when I saw that, that it was going to be a red flag, if I'm honest. I I genuinely didn't think that they would take the safety car pack through that. Yeah, really, really strange. Uh, So I was reading about this and 
shout out to race fans who interviewed uh, Michael Massey after the race. And there's a quote from him that says, the marshals did a great job clearing a path in the first instance quite quickly. Once the safety car line uh, went through, there was a very clear path through there. So in my view, a red flag was not necessary. Personally, I don't agree with that. There's debris absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And you saw how slow, I think it cut to the leaders, uh, Hamilton and yeah. Verstappen at one point, and they were really tiptoeing through. And there was there was no there was no line there, was there, for them to to take? Yeah. And obviously, people changed tires because it was a safety car. Uh, but there were there were people out there that were still on the tires that started the race, Gasly and Perez. So they might have picked up a puncture. So yeah, strange strange call. But thankfully, like I say, the the drivers were okay thanks to. The halo. Very strange to see a uh, wheel tether fail, but I guess there's only so much uh, it can do. And now, thankfully, that we've got the halo, it it did exactly what it needed to do. But George uh, seemed very shaken up in his team radio, didn't he? he? Looked very out of breath, and I imagine it just completely shocked him to turn into a corner where there's no kind of rain or anything like you wouldn't expect anyone to be off there. And then he sees a wheel kind of flying towards his car. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a scary thing. And I think that team radio was pretty much straight after it had happened. Mm. So uh, I can imagine, you know, full of adrenaline and then having the, uh, a wheel flying towards your car is going to be a very scary thing. So uh, thankfully they were they were both OK, because not going to lie, I feared the worst when I saw the state of Giovinazzi's car. I was thinking that at least one of them was going to be hurt. Yeah. But, but thankfully, thankfully they weren't. Um, yeah, so that was just a quick thing on that. Uh, moving on to Ferrari. Let's talk about Ferrari. There were lots of memes and internet's best reactions about how bad Ferrari are. And uh, let's talk a little bit about how bad they were. Uh, Joachim Jepsen says, how long has it been since Ferrari lasted so bad as today? Um, yeah. Got that, got that I answer, have, Tommy, uh, I imagine? Well, I looked into it. I don't. Um, I couldn't scroll through every single race for the last 20 years. But there's obviously been plenty of races where they've retired uh, both crashing into each other, like Austria, for example. But in terms of pace, the one that springs to mind is 2009 Abu Dhabi, and Kimi finished 12th and Fisichella was 16th, and that was just genuine. Uh, 2009 was quite a weird year where everyone was really close, especially at the end when Braun's uh, double diffuser advantage wasn't so strong. And uh, yeah, they just finished... 12th and 16th in a dry normal Abu Dhabi race where nothing really happened so for the fact that they finished 13th and 14th when it didn't rain they didn't get a strategy particularly wrong uh, not not hugely wrong anyway in terms of that it, it would have they could have done much better no rain no damage just no pace at all and even Kimi beat them yeah Kimi Raikkonen beat both of the Ferraris, which is uh, quite a, a nice little story for Kimi, I suppose. I, I bet he took a, a little bit of... Um, <laughs> uh, ha- not happiness, but, you know... There is of, a, uh, a, a meme going round, which I will stress for people, because a lot of people believed it was actually true, uh, of Kimi Raikkonen passing Vettel, I think it was, down the straight, and someone's, uh, like, um, put it in... Uh, premier or whatever and added Kimmy's like laughing as he passes him down the straight but that is not his team radio for just just uh to point that out I wish it was though 
I, I imagine there probably was a little smirk, a little smug face. I saw a few memes about that and Jeremy Clarkson, yeah. and it's time for my smug face, which is, uh, which is good. But um, but yeah, Ferrari, you know, it's 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 going to go from bad to worse when they go to Monza, where you know you you cast your mind minds back a year ago, and they've had one of the most sensational wins with Charles Leclerc, and now we are genuinely discussing the fact that they may not they may not make it out of Q1. We- yeah, which um, we joked about in the in the last podcast, and then and yeah, which we misread, didn't yeah. we? Well, we didn't misread; we read it and then assumed they meant Q three, but they were genuinely asking Q two, which uh, which was a very good question after all yeah, that because they were. I mean, it's mad to think that after Q two, we said it in our our live video that we do on YouTube now, the the watch along. We we were almost we were almost like they've saved it. That's actually a pretty good result. Ferrari finishing were they fourteenth and fifteenth? I can't remember exactly or thirteenth and fourteenth. Um, in the race, no, in the in qualifying. Uh, yeah, I think it was thirteen, fourteen, thirteen, fifteen. Can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and we were like, wow, they've both got into Q two. That's actually pretty good because in free practice three, they were seventeenth and twentieth. So. <laughs> Ah, in, yeah. it's it's absolutely mad. They just they just struggled with everything because uh, from what I heard, it wasn't actually weirdly the the straight that was that much of a problem. Even though obviously Leclerc got passed by literally everyone in that race, um, the second sector because they were trying to compensate for their lack of straight line speed, they were setting up the car so they weren't a complete sitting duck on the straight, even though they were and just completely messed up the middle sector as well. So they were actually unbelievably slow in the, in the second sector. Yeah, I guess they were almost trying to not make it seem like the power unit was all of the yeah. problem. Uh, and that's why they were they were trying to be at least a little bit quick in the first and third sector. And obviously Charles Leclerc had a great start, going from 13th on the grid to P8, uh, but then obviously falling back on the soft tyres, and then, they, then he did have a pretty bad strategy, to be honest. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 very interesting because obviously yeah, you, you would imagine if they're lacking speed, they would try a skinny setup and hope for the best that they're decent in the middle sector. But it's just not working for them, is it? It's 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 quite sad, quite sad to see Ferrari so far down when we we really wanted them at the front of the field and and fighting Mercedes. But yeah, what can you do? It's going to be like this, Ferrari fans, unfortunately, for another year and a half. Yeah, we've not actually so. we've not actually mentioned uh, Carlos Sainz, who was. Uh, did, uh, didn't even spotted. start the race and then spotted watching uh, the kind of chaos. With his head in his yeah, hands a little which, bit. Uh, I hope that wasn't cut out of context and he actually was what, kind of reacting to the Ferrari being passed. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, I hope, yeah, I agree. I hope that was, was genuine and not a uh, kind of cheeky, cheeky thing from the race director trying to sort of maybe like ridicule him a little bit. But yeah, I'm sure Carlos isn't too sad. You know, I said this in IBR. He's not. He's going to Ferrari. I'm sure that is a you know childhood dream for everybody. So he's not going to be the saddest person in the world, especially if he's able to see this through. Okay, he might have a difficult season next year, but then he goes into the new regs. Hopefully, still you know is very much a Ferrari team member, and then he can start to look forward again. If anything, so, I don't, if anything in 2021, he's got he's got no pressure because the car's going to be useless, exactly. So he won't be fighting for wins. Um, so and it'll give him a good sort of time to to get used to the team and. And, and just try and utilise everything he possibly can out of that car. So, yeah, maybe it's not the worst thing ever for Carlos Sainz. Um, next up, we... 
the the, the now traditional how... part of the podcast. Yeah, we we have it every single time when we talk about weather, the rain. Where was it? Hundred percent chance of rain going into Sunday, and we didn't get it, did we? We did not. Hundred, yeah, hundred percent chance of rain. It was on the Monday, and then it kind of lessened and lessened, but it still managed to absolutely chuck it down the second the race finished. Every single time. <laughs> Why? I mean, I saw the weather forecast and I was like, yep, yeah, it's going to rain after the race, isn't it? And there it is did. actually just... yeah, a genuine theory, isn't there, about something something about, not pollution, but the, the kind of heat all the, the, the paddock and the cars give up from doing a race. Uh, because I've actually, I remember watching a TV show where they were talking about that there's a scientific reason why it rains on weekends and a bank holiday. And it's because all the traffic um, and stuff during the week, uh, the heat rises up and something to do with the clouds anyway. And then it can't rain because of, because of all that happening. And then once it's all calmed down, it chucks it down. And I wonder if there really genuinely is something in Formula One that, that, that that's because... Surely it cannot be a coincidence that, I mean, how many times has this happened? It feels like it's every race now. It genuinely does. It does. It feels it feels more so now than it ever, has ever yeah. before, and I don't know Very why. Um, I feel like we're just yeah. cursed. Uh, Michael Grimwoo5 says, what sort of voodoo have Mercedes used to keep rain off track all season? I mean, even at Spa, the, the most changeable conditions you could ever wish for around Spa. It's a huge track. Sometimes it can be raining in certain parts of the track. We didn't get oh, any no. of it. I saw. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah. They've clearly got some dry dance people rather than rain. Yeah. People. Funnily enough, they were actually set up for uh, rain because they were. I think it was practice. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think in practice they changed Hamilton's rear wing. Um, because originally they were trying a different setup uh, and it it really was kind of, I mean, Ricardo completely gambled on it being dry and it paid dividends. And I've seen some interesting interesting takes and uh, articles and stuff that if Red Bull had done a dry setup and gone just, it's going to, it won't rain. Obviously that he, Verstappen would have been a sitting duck if it had rained, but if it hadn't, maybe he could have won that race because he would have had a skinny... Really? Uh, I mean, if you think if he had Ricardo's um, rear wing on that those safety car restarts, uh, he was only, what, f- uh, four seconds off Bottas? Um, he he may have had a genuine chance uh, to win that race if, he, if he'd done a dry setup. But unfortunately, they both went for the same thing and it didn't rain, so... No, it did not. Maybe next time. Maybe for Monza, we'll get some <laughs> rain. Or, you know, we, we just we go to the next track, don't we, and hope for the best. Uh, but either way, uh, it was, I still, yeah. I think if Mercedes was set up for the rain, we still wouldn't really have <laughs> had much of a uh, of a mix-up for the for the win unless they got really unlucky with when the rain uh, came yeah. down. But, um, but yeah, interesting. Right, let's talk about Gasly. Uh, great drive. I mean, the, the overtake he did on Perez was nothing short of sensational. And very dangerous if you uh, want to look at what Perez was doing. And obviously, Gasly was given driver of the day as well, which I feel like Daniel Ricciardo deserved it just as much. But um, that's not to take away from Gasly's pretty awesome drive as well. 
Tess underscore Carol says, hot take. Gasly's move on Perez is better than Weber on Alonso as Gasly is in a worse car on hards and Perez didn't just come out of the pits before he made the move. (laughs) I watched, (laughs) I, yeah, I saw this and I read it and was like, yeah, I think you're right, actually. And then I watched Weber's move and was like, no, Weber's move is. I'm pretty sure they were almost side by side into Radion, no? Uh, Weber, Weber and Alonso, he literally dives up the inside and they're pretty much wheel banging on the apex of Eau Rouge, like the left hand yeah. bit at the bottom, which we all know. Um, yeah, whereas the move was slightly done slightly earlier, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, with this but one. I mean, the fact that he kept his foot in when Perez was trying to squeeze him into the wall. Uh, I mean, to be fair, what, what 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 else can you do in that situation? Like, Gasly is very much committed to this, yeah. And they're side by side, and Perez is just coming over and over and over. I'm actually surprised that Perez didn't get a penalty for that, or at least investigated, because that was unbelievably dangerous. He gave him a car. He, so he gave him a car's width, but my he gave days, him a car's width and one millimeter. Yeah, it was literally a car's width. Where if Gasly had moved his steering wheel the tiniest bit to the left, it would have been an absolute plane crash. So yeah, that would have been one of the most horrific incidents. I don't know what it is with Perez and that that part of the track. He just doesn't seem to know where the wall is. Yeah, because I watched um, I watched it back because I couldn't actually remember the Ocon incident too well, and yeah. It was earlier on, wasn't it? It was, yeah, but it was earlier on. But what I'd completely forgotten about is there's an incident where Perez actually did it to Ocon exactly how he did it to Gasly, but squeezed him even more uh, before that incident happened. I'd completely forgotten about this. But uh, before they had their crash a few laps earlier, um, Perez had done the same thing, but this time didn't leave a car's width. And obviously Ocon uh, crashed like they banged wheels and somehow Ocon managed to get through even though he didn't have a car's width and the wheels bounced off each other but yeah Perez really kind of I don't know he was on an odd strategy but it's no excuse to uh try and put your rival in a wall and yeah uh (laughs) you don't want to say it but with all the the kind of Hubert stuff and that being sort of like the corner that uh he sadly perished I mean it's it's crazy it's, it's really crazy that they they would kind of really squeeze each other like that. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm completely a fan of um, we want hard racing. racing. Yeah, you know, hard racing, wheel to wheel racing, wheel banging, and whatnot. But for me, that is as bad as what Schumacher did to Barrichello. Yeah, because he squeezed him to a wall. I think... I know it was more of a, an aggressive move from Schumacher defending from Barrichello that time. Perez has almost put him in the wall, and that would have been a monumental incident. If they'd, uh, yeah, if they'd connected wheels, he could have been launched, and that's obviously a, yeah. a wall. So for me, I, I'm surprised the stewards didn't even look into it or give Perez a warning or anything like that. Obviously, it was an amazing overtake, and I'm not taking anything away from Gasly, of course. But yeah, for me, it just didn't sit right how close that was. But um, either uh, way, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's because of Spa and, and what it now kind of holds uh, with Antoine Hubert and. And that horrible incident, um, which, again, you know, was a, uh, lovely tributes and, and things that were, were going out on social media. And, of course, what Formula One did as well was was really great to see. Um, I, but, yeah, maybe I'm just a little bit more tetchy uh, now now that obviously that has happened last year, uh, that maybe just Perez needed a little bit more common sense in that situation. Either way, they got through absolutely fine. So that's all yeah. that matters. And Gasly, uh, Hunt- sorry, Gasly winning uh, driver of the day. Well, we often joke that it is a bit of a, 
a pity vote. Maybe, maybe you know, it was it was nice for him to win it on on that weekend of all weekends when he was very a close personal friend of uh, yeah. Hubert and had the 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 amazing tribute helmet and stuff. Uh, so, and it takes a lot of. Um, I imagine it takes a lot of mental strength uh, from someone like Gasly and uh, Charles Leclerc obviously did it last year by winning the race when when it obviously will no doubt affect everyone, especially when they've got a minute of silence before the race to reflect. Um, yeah, for, for Gasly to put in a drive like that was was very, very, very impressive. Yeah, emotionally, it must be very difficult. And I'm still, obviously, I'm completely for the minute silence and paying respect, but again, before a race mm. it's just an interesting one isn't it where i think we discussed this last year where the drivers you know they feel immortal when they're in the cars they absolutely go 100 percent all the time but when you're made to reflect on your own existence and somebody else who's unfortunately lost their life last year it, it i think i'm not a psychologist but mentally that must be a, a very difficult thing to then surpassed just before the start of a race i was i was thinking the very the very same because obviously it needs to happen we there needs to be some kind of tribute to hubert no doubt um but like you say the the formula two drivers they're, they're like 18 19 years old and they've got to stand there um and basically reflect on someone literally dying in the race they're just about to do the year yeah. before it, it yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot on on them and yeah i'm surprised that not many people have had this this conversation whether whether it is the right thing to do right before the race there's no doubt that there needs to be some kind of tribute but but when's the best time for it maybe yeah i i can't imagine any f1 driver wants to come out or f2 driver wants to come out and say i don't want to do a one minute silence for somebody who's passed away because <laughs> that, that you know, is also that true. could be taken yeah, out of exactly context it could you know all sorts of stuff but at the same time i think it does need to be reviewed maybe obviously it's, it's different when it's football because they're not putting their lives on the line when they're yeah. when they're then going out and playing uh, their sport so yeah. yeah i feel like it should be reviewed but you know when is the best time that's that'll be the the, the big talking point yeah. uh, hunt brothers f1 very quickly said was perez out of order for his defense on gasly into Rouge? yes i think we can both agree on that right yes i t- too much he he the, there's an interesting video where gasly's watching it on the sky pad uh with anthony davidson if if you've seen that and and he pauses it and uh Gasly's like oh my word he really squeezed me and then and then Davidson's like oh no it gets worse plays it and he creeps over even more and they're they're so close to hitting tires it's insane yeah, it's frightening if you haven't seen it go and check out that clip or the screenshot I'm sure it's on yeah, social media yeah. somewhere because it is ridiculous right Tommy play the jingle now it's time for ABCDF one time. Let's go straight into it. Let's start with Nicholas Latifi. Oh, We're going to go from okay. the bottom. Yeah, mix it up. Mix it up <clears> a little bit. See. Nicholas Latifi. I'm going to solidly say a D. Wasn't anywhere near Russell's pace and was very much kind of not even there. Oh, actually, yeah. In qualifying, he was not. Uh, he was not on it, was he? Nope. Okay. Yeah, D is fine. Okay, we can, we can just move past the uh, boys quickly. Uh, George Russell, obviously, he had that impact. Uh, he, he had a good qualifying, got into Q2 again, um, and was a complete passenger in that. So we can't take any points away from him uh, in terms of our grade. Yeah, so I think it's uh, got to so be a B. 
based yeah, on quali- solid B for Russell. Qualifying. Um, who, who'd have thought last year that he'd be racing a Ferrari and it wasn't the fact that he'd been promoted to Mercedes? Hmm. I'd love to have known if he would have beaten the Ferraris <laughs> as well in that race. Yeah. Uh, because he was right with Kimi Raikkonen, wasn't he? So yeah, he was right that's behind. very true. We were but robbed of that. He, he was right behind him, wasn't he? Kimi yeah. Raikkonen. Yeah, because Kimi got through and then Russell got caught up in it. Yeah. Uh, Roman Grosjean. Decent race, actually. Uh, credit it? where it's due. I was looking back on it and I, I, you know, I want to give a fair grade to everyone. He outqualified Magnussen by half a second. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, almost got Leclerc. Unfortunately, made a little little mistake. So I think I think it's a B for Grosjean. Okay, we'll give we'll give Grosjean a B. Why not? Let's hand Thank out a you. B. Lovely. I think it's probably his first B of the season, to be honest. Yeah, Magnussen. Uh, Kevin Magnussen. Kevin Magnussen. He had a, a pretty awesome start. Yeah, uh, making up five positions on lap one, uh, but I didn't really see much from him after that because he no. kind of lost all those positions. And yeah, poor poor weekend. I think it's a D because. What, despite the the good start, he, he was you, you can't be beat, being beaten half a second by Roman Grosjean in qualifying. I'm sorry. How far was he behind in the race? Uh, good question. Let me have a look. Whilst we're in this brief interval, make sure you check out the internet's best reactions. <laughs> if you haven't already, go check it out on our YouTube channel. Lovely. Tommy, do you have the results? I do. Magnussen started 20th and finished 17th. That's not what I asked. I said, how far did he finish behind Grosjean? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I've got... Um, no, I, I genuinely don't know how far he finished behind Grosjean. I've got, I've got a, well, like a, a different result set. All right. Well, whilst you talk to the, talk to the audience for 10 seconds, and I'll find out for you. Uh, so, interestingly, it says here that uh, while we don't have the result, Magnussen was half a second a lap slower than Grosjean throughout the weekend on his ideal lap. So I think, he's, he? I think he's worthy of a D, but we shall persist in finding out how far he was behind. But he was two places behind. Uh, he finished behind Latifi. Come on, let's just give him a D. Okay, we'll give him a D, finish <laughs> behind the TV. I can't be bothered to search anymore. Uh, right, Giovinazzi. F. Well, you've got to give him a, an F, yeah, because he just crashed. He was ahead of Kimi, doing all right, but then he ran out of talent, as I said, in IBR. And is it? I mean, crashing there was very interesting. Yeah. Is it me, or is, has Giovinazzi crashed on his own accord more times than any Formula One driver Past recently? Past the Maldonado. Yeah. Because I think I feel like it's very rare now that you get races where someone, without making contact with anyone or there's rain, where they just lose the car. It, it seems such a rarity now in Formula One, and Giovinazzi yeah. has done that a lot. And that's actually um, he did it last year. I didn't actually. Um, someone someone mentioned it that it, that he now has a a hundred percent record at Spa of losing it on his own and DNFing. So. Yeah, Giovinazzi is like me on the F1 game where you're just pushing too hard to try and find the limits. But unfortunately for Antonio, he's in real life and, and didn't have can't Charles just reset to track and, and go a, again. Yeah, as a teammate so, yeah. telling him he was the best teammate, mate. <laughs> nah, wrong part of the track. Oh, yeah. uh, F, F for Antonio. Uh, Kimi had a good race, beat both the Ferraris. Underrated, very underrated drive. Can we give him an A? We can give him an A. Both Ferraris in that rubbish car, 16th to 12th. Lovely. Well done, Kimmy. No points, but but pride. Yeah, we love a bit of pride. Uh, Lance Stroll, he had quite a quiet race, didn't he? Yeah, I think you've got to give Stroll and Perez a C here because 
very very disappointed with Racing Point. Uh, absolutely bottled my prediction, which we'll go into later. But yeah, they <laughs> they were nowhere. Really surprising that they just didn't seem to have the pace at all here. No, they didn't. Say they've uh, got uh, last Lance Stroll finished Mercedes. ninth and Perez tenth, which was uh, not good. Not the best. Not the best result for somebody that we, well we thought they were going to come in and potentially uh, challenge for a podium, but. Hey, my point about the fact that they've changed their philosophy completely. It was a valid point. It was a very valid point. Thank you very much, Tommy. So Stroll and Perez both C's. Obviously, Perez... I kind of want to give Perez a D after that horrendous move on Gasly. Yeah, the strategy wasn't his fault, but I think he deserves a downgrade for for being a bit naughty. Yeah, naughty Perez gets a D. Uh, Kvyat, he... He's in trouble. mm, I mean, he... he, P11. yeah. Not not good. How far did he finish off Gasly? 23 seconds. So, uh, yeah, that's going to have to be a D, I think, for Kvyat as well. He's he's in trouble. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda won the F2 race. And he did? He after is... Mazepin. Uh, not Mazepin. Who yeah, was it, it was penalty? Mazepin got a penalty. It was Mazepin, yeah. It was, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting, the helmet Marco even has been quoted as saying Kvyat uh, kind of needs to pick up the pace. Like, his performance has not been what they expected when he was getting He's tailed asked. off, hasn't he? So, He's tailed off. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Sonoda's in that car next year if he keeps getting trounced by Gasly the way he's doing. C or let's a D? See. I don't know. Uh, let's give him a D. 23 seconds off your teammate. Not for me. You're okay, not getting a C if you're enough. 23 seconds <clears throat> off. Uh, actually, let me, let me make sure that Perez didn't finish 23 seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, he, didn't. He, finished, he finished half a second behind Stroll. Okay. So that's that's fine. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so Gasly, let's give him a solid A. a. Yeah, his qualifying unfortunately yeah. let him down after we lauded how good he was in qualifying and then he got beaten yeah. by Kvyat. But fair play, A, really good drive. Really, really good drive. Decent eighth place and um, made the hards work, which was uh, a bold strategy, Cotton, wasn't it? It was. But um, it paid off and the hards were actually <clears> a pretty good tyre, weren't they? Yeah, and he... Um, that Alpha Tauri looked very quick down the straight. They they obviously nailed set up with that with that as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, who would have thought a Honda engine would uh, would be would yeah. be saying that they're uh, they're quick down the straight? But here we are, twenty twenty things. Uh, so Gasly, yeah, we'll give him an A. Ocon, I, I he's verging on an A, but I think a B is probably fairer for Ocon. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah, twenty two seconds off Ricardo, so yeah. he's not getting an A. I'd ri- I'd written A, but. Let's be honest, that car is very, very good. The fact that he beat yeah. Albon definitely helps him. But the fact the, the gap to his teammate when Ocon is a very um highly rated driver, I think. Yeah. But I think better. It, it has to be say he, he had a better weekend, didn't it he? It would be weekend. a B plus if we had B plus, but we don't. We don't. We don't do that because that, that, that causes confusion. But I think, yeah, definitely Ocon much improved. I think the fact that he was stuck behind Albon a lot uh, for a long time didn't help his his race and his overall gap to, to Ricardo at the end. But um, but yeah, I think a more promising weekend for Ocon for sure. Yep. So we'll, we'll give him a B. Ricardo, A-star, without a doubt, without a shadow of doubt. Easy. One Gen- of the easiest A-stars I've ever given out. Genuinely, uh, I mean... 18 the... seconds off the win. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and how many seconds off the podium was it in the end? Like two, four, three, three something like that. So yeah. Uh, it was 3.4 seconds. Yeah, exactly. So... I genuinely don't think there's been many performances this year that deserve as much as that. Like A star, easy, easy, easy. What a drive. easy peasy. Well done, Danny Rick. Hopefully, Monza will, will bring you that podium and Cyril a bit ball that 
uh, tattoo. Yeah. Uh, Lando Norris, uh, quite a quiet race as well for yeah. Lando. But I think that he's probably end, got... But... He probably got the most he could out of that McLaren, to be yeah. honest. So I, I want to give him a B. Yeah, B. Because he had quite a slow start to the race and then ended up finishing P7. Uh, kind of coming through at the end. Again, the McLaren was another car that was quite strong, wasn't it, on the uh, the tyres towards the end of the race, whereas everybody else was, was seeming to struggle. Yeah, and I think they'd risked a dry setup as well. So it would have been very interesting to see how Science had done because he was in a better uh, grid spot. But yeah, he was. Lando B. Yeah, so Lando B. Signs we cannot give a grade to, unfortunately. So uh, we, uh, Can we not? It messes with the standings, though. Should we just uh, give him a B because his, his... But yeah, he had a good... Yeah, I guess we give him a B because he had a good qualifying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, signs a B. Uh, Alex Alban. Um... <laughs> right, Alex Alban, we're going to sound like a broken record, but it is exactly the same situation where we had so many messages again saying that his strategy was wrong and why is he always on a rubbish strategy? And yes... It's because of his qualifying. Yeah. It, it's it's the perfect storm, isn't it? Because yes, they probably should have gone hards instead of mediums at the end, but he's in that situation to not be on the same strategy as Max because he's not, um, yeah, that he's not done it, and they want to do something different because why not? If he can't be up there, look look what happened. In fact, uh, no one's really mentioned this, but in Austria. They did something different, and he nearly won the race. So it could happen again. Yeah. So they might I, as well gamble. Per- <clears throat> I don't personally buy Red Bull um, shafting Albon. No. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's yeah purely down to qualifying, putting himself in that situation where he has to overtake Renaults, he has to overtake McLarens, and other situations. So they, they yeah they had to try something different. Yeah, the mediums were definitely not the right tire in terms of the longevity towards the end of that race, but. If they put him on hards, he probably would have just sat behind the Renaults and, and not been able to do anything. Yeah. So, he had, you know, because he'd to already had something. He'd already had that part of the race to try and get past them, and he didn't. He only got past Ocon in the safety car because of the uh, the, the really good pit stop from the Red Bull mechanics. So, yeah, for for me, I don't I don't buy Albon being shafted at all. He's being given the opportunity if he does better in qualifying, and he's not out out qualified by Danny Rick. Uh, although obviously Danny Rick was very close to Verstappen, so we'll let him off for that. But yeah, it, it's it's not Red Bull have to try something different, as you say. Austria was is a great example of that, and yeah. just do better in qualifying album, be better in race pace, be behind Verstappen, and then they'll just have a like for like strategy, won't they? Yeah, there's no doubt that that car is more suited to Verstappen. They've built the team around him, but he needs to do better. Simple as that. I mean, when you ride on board with Max Verstappen, I wouldn't say that the Red Bull is. <laughs> after just watching it all the time, it doesn't. It's not like Max is kind of tooling around like it's a Mercedes, is it? Yeah, exactly. It is a proper wrestling job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. Now we get to the Ferraris, which I guess we need to move around. Oh, wait, ABCDF, uh, you now. missed Verstappen out. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, mis- uh, uh, sorry, Max Verstappen A, a. next. Yeah. <laughs> Every race. Uh, now we move on to the Ferraris, and I think we need to move them in ABCD EF1 because they're definitely not the second fastest team. Um, but <laughs> yeah. we we, <laughs> we should have had them near. Well, we should have had them before Alfa Romeo and after Haas. Wow. Yeah. But um, Vettel, C, C, yeah, and Leclerc C, C. Yeah, it it's a difficult one with Leclerc because I think Leclerc did better than Vettel despite the result. However. Uh, there, there really was nothing he could do, was there? Um, no. He, he got an amazing start, and unfortunately, 
you just knew despite that amazing start that he was not going to stay there because all the cars behind him would just absolutely punish him on the straight and then again I guess Ferrari just risked something with strategy but again weird calls during the race where they were they didn't know what to do that was asking for strategies again and they were saying plan c Fell dropping plan some expletives yeah. as well wasn't he it wasn't even they, just uh what's the strategy it was what's the effing strategy or whatever it was yeah nearly collided again uh Vettel was no way that gonna... was so close do you right here's a theory do you think that they were making their strategy around the fact that the cars they didn't want them to be on the same part of the racetrack because it would just be even more embarrassing if they crashed into each other which it looked like they were going to do at the only stage when that actually happened i think they were just going split strategy just purely down to the fact that hoping that one of them would work because if they're both on the same strategy <laughs> just try anything yeah literally they're doing put, a has put wet they, put wets on and hope the rain actually arrives on the last lap Exactly. Yeah. You know, they put Charles on softs probably to try and make up a few positions, which he absolutely did, and he had a great start. But that Ferrari just doesn't have the pace. And people might be wondering, why are we only giving them Cs? Because it's related to their driver performance. It's not Ferrari are terrible, and therefore we're going to give them an E. We're, we're, relate, we're understanding that Ferrari is not a good car at the moment, yeah. and then comparing the performance to that. So I think, yeah, Vettel and Leclerc both deserve Cs, yeah. um, because that's that's about where the Ferrari apparently deserves to be. Yeah. Um, Valtteri Bottas, I want to give him a B. It's, yeah, I, I was going to say C, but I think B is probably yeah, he fairer. wasn't that far. I think it would have been no, a C if he'd off, got but... beaten by Verstappen again. Um, yeah. Or even maybe like 10, 20 seconds off Hamilton. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and then Lewis Hamilton, I think A star. Because of his qualifying yeah. again, just absolutely trounced Bottas. And that's normally the only bit where Bottas can challenge him. And he absolutely yeah, and then he him. completely managed the race as well. I don't think he was really ever in trouble. Oh, you know, but what about Bob... his loss of power and how his oh, tyres yeah. were going to explode in the last five laps? Oh, my God. When he said that and I was looking at the time intervals, I genuinely thought his car was braking Yeah, because it was coming down and down. Bottas was within a second. <clears throat> Bottas, of course, then didn't take any advantage of that because why would he? Um, and, yeah, Hamilton had it completely in control after that because yeah, whenever yeah. Bottas closed up, Hamilton just went, see ya. Apart from that one moment where he went over the chicane, oh yeah, and then the Bottas did the same Bottas. <laughs> yes, crazy, absolutely crazy. So they get that's ABCDEF one. Let's move on to the Belgian Grand Prix predictions. So I predicted Vettel and Ferrari would fall out again. I mean, yeah, he swore at them, so I'd yeah, that. We'll, we'll say that's a, a solid point. And Stroll beats Perez, which he also did. So that's a, a solid maximum wow, point nice. for me, Tommy. Uh, we won't go want, in. Do you want no, to read no, I don't. <laughs> Racing point podium, nope. Vettel announces an Aston Martin driver, nope. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) The fans, Brad Sir 22, Verstappen will retire, resulting in an Albon podium. Nope. No. Even if Verstappen did retire, Albon wouldn't have got a podium. Uh, Cloffy 09, safety car in the first 10 laps. All right, this this is hilarious. Guess when the safety car was? 11th lap. (laughs) Sorry, Cloffy, that's that's zero (laughs) points. Zero points, points. gutted. Right, Italian Grand Prix predictions. I have gone for a Renault podium and I have also gone for Ferrari out, uh, a Ferrari out in Q1. Nice. Okay. Tommy? Uh, So if anyone's seen my Twitter, they'll know that I'm just... I, I jinx you're everything. Doing the, I'm doing this for the, no, but the thing is, Tommy, you're not allowed to say it out loud. You're not allowed to say that you're trying to jinx something no, I, because we can. that doesn't we work. Did it. We did it with uh, Ricardo. It's fine. 
Um, so my prediction is two Mercedes and Max on the podium. Okay. And uh, qualifying, there will be some slipstream controversy again. They very, won't have, very vague, they won't have learned one. their lesson. Oh, sorry. Very vague. Sorry, That'll be sorry like Vettel a, and oh. Ferrari fall out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's vague when you do it. It's not vague when I do it. <laughs> Okay, all right. Some sort of controversy. I'm sure you'll be like, oh, I've had a bit of understeer. Yeah, that was to do with Slipstream. That's controversy. Yeah, One point. Exactly. Uh, and fans, Polo CT Lighter signs P3. I don't think that's going to happen, but Bold. let's see. And Thomas JS, J Stamp, Ferrari get lapped. I mean, that's a point. <laughs> they didn't get lapped at Belgium, I'm, but I guess the, the track's really long. So Very long. Uh, I'm going to award a point. That's it. Ferrari, well done, Thomas. You've got a point. And that's it. We're done. We are. Anything else to add, Tommy? Um, despite all the moaning and negativity, we've got another race this week, so that is good. We haven't moaned. Well, not, not, not moaned, but obviously it wasn't the greatest race, so I think we should no. be happy that it's such a um, tight schedule now that we've got so many exciting races coming up. Let's enjoy the fact that we're going to new venue soon, a lot of uncertainty. I'm really, I'm really excited for the the rest of the calendar now. It's really, really, really good calendar. Let's hope we get good racing. Absolutely. Hey, so uh, there you go. Thank you so much to Tommy uh, for joining us once again for this WTF1 podcast. If you want to uh, let us know any suggestions, hashtag WTF1 podcast. Make sure to give us five stars or a thumbs up or wherever you are in the world. Please do give us all the love and support because we are. Oh, well, I don't actually know where we are in the charts anymore, Tommy. But we were I thank the everybody we were the twelfth for... leisureliest podcast. But I don't know twelfth leisureliest podcast in the UK, which is very leisurely mm. and very lovely to hear. So thank you again for for all the support on this podcast. It's crazy to think because I don't think many people watch this, but apparently people do. So that's uh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So. As I say, get involved, hashtag WTF1 podcast. And that is pretty much it. Thank you to Tommy. And we will see you in a week's time for the Italian Grand Prix Monza Ooh. edition, where we will be celebrating a Ferrari win. Ferrari 1-2, you mean? Yeah, Ferrari 1-2, maybe, if everybody else retires. Exciting. Are we supposed to get rain? <laughs> Let's not talk about it. It's going to be a sunny day. We're banning the word Italy. rain from the next podcast and, and <laughs> reminders of it because if we mention Precipitation. It, yeah. Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye, Tommy. You, I'm waving, I'm at, waving you. at you again. Bye. Love you. Miss you. Bye. Bye.